Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lori Clark Show. This episode of my podcast is brought to you with the help of ZoomUs, a video and audio conferencing interface. It's important to know that I'm in no way sponsored by Zoom. I just want to tell you how much I love it. It is very reliable, easy to use, and provides excellent audio and video files that my team and I produce to share the power of story with you. Another non-sponsored, couldn't do without, but just have to tell you how good it is, is Squarespace. When they say it is the all-in-one platform, it really is true. I go into the back end of my website multiple times a day, adjust things, post podcast, add links, and look at our show's analytics, which all sync across my devices. And when I need an image, Squarespace provides an excellent resource that's powered by Unsplash. Now for my most favorite feature, the Squarespace app. Um, Being a working mom, there never seems to be enough time in my day. So when my daughter's in ballet, I sit in my car and upload, post, and manage everything on my website from the app. It's really cool and seamless. Squarespace is really, really simple and very dedicated to helping me create a brand of excellence. So with that, big shout out to Zoom, Squarespace, and Unsplash. Thank you for helping me tell people's stories. With that said, let's move on to the best part about today, the show. Please allow me to welcome my next guest on The Lori Clark Show. It all started with a photo I took earlier in the morning while walking my dog, Nymeria. Right before I introduced Jen, I showed her the image of a broken tree that had snapped off and then showed her another picture of a tree right next to it that had the same fate earlier on in the year. It was completely blown over. Its root system was exposed. And over time, this particular tree had become a nursery log with little buds of new growth and life shooting up from its roots and trunk. As Jen was responding to what I was showing her through the computer camera, that was it. The conversation had begun and we were off to the races. And I was not about to interrupt her with an introduction. So everyone, I am pleased to welcome our show's spiritual mentor and my friend, Jennifer Shepard. Aside from all her degrees and PhD in a religion and theology, interpretive theory, she has recently experienced the loss of two very important people in her life. This has brought new perspective, awakening on how to be broken, open, and not shut down. So here we go, right into the middle of our conversation about the trees on The Lori Clark Show. Well, mm-hmm. I took this photo this morning in um, prep for our, uh, our conversation Ah, <laughs> it tried its best, didn't it? It tried its that best. And tried when, its best. And when the storms of life. That's right. You know, That's uproot right. you and yep. they break you, um, yep. you know, but you cannot, when it happens. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, and, and I always think that too. Yeah, look at that, right? There's the nursery log. Now it becomes the breeding place for something else. It certainly does. Now that tree is going to become part of the eco environment of that forest. No longer stands, but it now becomes 
the it's support on the ground, the ground floor. That's yes, right. it does. And it's, yeah, and it, there's a, a it's um a new season, yep. a new time, mm-hmm. and it doesn't believe it's broken. No, it's like okay, well now here's the next <laughs> here's the next phase, right? Yeah. I'm I'm now going to. Uh, decomposed to become part of the system. I always love that too, walking through and seeing how the leaves that we rake up and try to get rid of off our lawns, they just become so much part of the ecosystem every year. There's a birth and a death and a a renewing that uh, nature automatically does. That's a great photograph to remember. And And what a wind or lightning strike that would have had to be to to do that. Yes. The the root on that thing. Yeah, I know, huge. right? That's probably yeah. 80, 90 years old and yeah. and established. But yeah. again, like you've said, mm-hmm. you never know. You can bank that it's going to happen to you. Well, that is absolutely true. It, it is. It, and it's so, going to happen. So that tree will it, eventually fall one day. And all of them will. They will that's right. That's right. If uh, someone will eventually pass away in your life. Um, sickness will eventually show up. Yeah. Uh, eventually there's going to be a group of people who do not like you and actually go out of their way to take you out. If it didn't happen in high school, it's going to happen in the workplace. It's going to happen in a family. You're going to marry into a family where this is going to happen. Um, right? Uh, these they The things will happen. And I guess when you and I were first talking about it, that's why I was just so trying to stay where we're away from the word fairness, because I was trying to say, it doesn't seem fair that I'm going through this. Well, I'm trying to get away from that because everybody goes through these things and uh, try to get to when it happens to me, what do I expect? What has been, what has been shattered as far as my expectations so that now I can kind of pinpoint where my crisis, uh, what's driving my crisis and where the way forward is. So, uh, that, that picture of the tree, um, it just, it is a reminder to us that nothing in, in life, nothing in anyone's life is ever permanent. Uh, I would never want anyone to think that you have to go through life waiting for the next terrible thing to happen. That's, that's never anything we seek, but certainly even uh, things that somebody could think was a good thing, you could picture as a bad thing. You could picture as a crisis in your life. So even things that would appear to be good on the surface, maybe uh, you would see as a crisis. So it's all about understanding and because you don't want to have a nihilistic point of view, right? And that view is, well, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you die. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's And you don't want to have this overly simplistic view, which is um, because I do A, I should get B. And it's quite interesting we might be going off topic here, but one of the one of the great things I love is there are three books in the Old Testament that tackle this idea of when life happens. And of course, these are the books of Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes. And a lot of people just go to the book of Proverbs and claim the promises and, and say, you know, if I do this, I should get this. In the Bible, the way it's set up, Job, the story of Job comes first, then Proverbs, then Ecclesiastes. But if you read it the way it was meant to be, or it was, it was put together in the actual Jewish tradition, it's, here's what we hope. Here's what we really hope will happen. And what we hope is, if I am a good person, I should get 
people being good back to me. If I do all these things properly, then this should happen to me. If I exercise, I should not experience uh, sickness. If I am faithful to my partner, my partner will be faithful to me. If uh, I become pregnant, I should be able to carry that baby through to term. So all these ideas about if I do this, hopefully in an ideal world, this is how it works out. And then right after Proverbs, you get the story of Joe, <laughs> who, according to, <laughs> according to the start of the story, this is a man who did everything right. And for a while it worked. And then it was shattered. And so the idea is, okay, well, when it shattered, what is the response? You get the story of Job, which is a very stoic response, which is a very uh, mature, spiritually mature response. It doesn't have to be the same, but there is a spiritual maturity to it in that there's an understanding that, how how do I want to say this? As soon as you start blaming God, you're admitting you need a God. And that puts God somewhere above you, very much so, or you wouldn't need a God. So, Job takes a spiritually mature position as far as he doesn't blame his God. Your your God can be whatever you want it to be. This is this is just a a basic principle that if you do reach out to something and give something credit for what you have, then it's you know when that being takes it away, you probably shouldn't blame that being. You should thank your God for however long you had, um, however long you had your blessings. So the book of Job presents a very, very uh, spiritual or mature response. And it's an amazing book because the friends in the book come along to Job and give him all the reasons why he should blame his spiritual being, uh, give him all kinds of reasons. And of course, every time he's able to refute it by saying, look, I'm, I'm, I know I didn't do anything wrong. I live in this life. These things happen and I'm not going to turn and blame uh, the God that I serve. And then you get the opposite, the book of Ecclesiastes, which says, well, what's the point in anything anyways? <laughs> Very different response. It's like an emotional roller coaster here. That's right. It is. And it is almost the journey of someone who is going through the entire process and eventually comes out to probably what most of us say. You know what? At the end of the day, we are human. And if there is a God, well, then you know what? Okay. <laughs> type of response at the end. But so when these books are read in those, in those terms about the different ways we can respond when we find ourselves in crisis and how we view the blessings and the, and the failings and the difficulties in our lives, um, it's helpful in terms of how you want to structure some of these conversations, especially when it comes to spirituality. And again, Lori, this can apply. I mean, my, my background is the Judeo-Christian background so I do have an understanding, very good understanding about that. But you can still, at the end of the day, look at this through any number of religious experiences. That might have got us way off topic. I don't know. Well, it didn't because we're talking about the broken open or shutting yes. down. Mm-hmm. And, and we're talking about the two of those existing together. And they have to and they and, always will. And, and you've said this time and time mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And it's only been in your own crisis of losing two people that are really, really close to you in the span right. of a year and a half, was it? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. you know, you're, you're trying to deal with one death and then you are immediately pushed into a position where you are, you are upholding and supporting a person where they received a diagnosis that said, 
this is stage four, there's a, not a lot of chance here. Yeah. So you were not able to process the, the passing of your father, but you had to, in some ways, just move and distance yourself. You were still broken. And, yeah. and in a sense, you did have to shut down mm-hmm. to survive. And that's what we're talking about today. There are so many places in our life where we shut down or we are broken open and we think it's one or the other. Right. And the only way it's one or the other is when you understand that there's more than one way that you cope and deal and have perspectives of the world. You have dominant filters that you use almost every day. Um, but you can at certain times see another way and, and experience another way of processing the information that's put in front of you. So we, in all of our work together, we talk about these six expectations when, when life happens, right? There are multiple things that we do when we process why, and we ask that question, why? Why do I care? Why is this making me angry? Why am I thrilled right now and no one else is? These types of things is because we're all experiencing and filtering the information differently. So even every day, every single day, you will be shut down in maybe two of these categories because they just don't matter while the other four are very, very active and at work. This is information we bring from psychology and behavioral studies and the social sciences. When people react and they respond, usually the two things they care the least about are being triggered. And you don't have a lot of time for the two things you care least about. And they will trigger you. So you'll go through your day and all of a sudden, you know, you might be triggered. And somebody say, well, what side of the bed did you get up on? <laughs> well, you've, all, you've been triggered in some of the things you don't normally respond to. Usually you just let all it go. You just don't even, you don't even bother. You hear it, but whatever. But then all of a sudden one day, that's the filter you're using. That's the perspective you're coming from. That's what you hear. And then there is a response. So this idea that that any one individual shuts down completely, you actually don't until you take your final breath. You really do not shut down completely. If you shut down trying to find an answer for something, you may compensate by trying to take control of the situation in the best way you know how. If you shut down trying to play by the rules, uh, you may simply focus on just feeling good in the moment and because the rules didn't work for you, did they? So just go on out, go for a week, just who cares, spend the money, right? You've saved all your life and all of a sudden something happens or whatever money, all of a sudden you just think how hollow, oh my goodness, how hollow is this? And all of a sudden you're just like here, 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 here. And so you don't ever shut down completely, Lori, never. You just tap into other ways of thinking and, and processing the information in the world around you, what you are going through. I would never want to be in a state of some of the crisis some people have gone through in their lives. Never, ever would I ever even, oh my goodness. I know there's some things I don't think I could ever get through if and, they happen to me. And this is you saying this, having lost yes. two people that are important to you. Oh yeah. I mean, having lost you know, everything, if, if I was going to talk about foundations, things that I just thought were pretty solid um, and how you build foundations on, on, on people, on plans, on here's what, you know, so they are not there anymore. So the only thing, Laurie, is I can say I simply tapped into 
my two lowest filters. And I've got, I've been thinking about this lately. Mm. I've been thinking about the things that I tapped into. I don't need to feel like I have a community around me a lot of the time. I love people, but I don't need to create a sense of community. But yet that was the very thing I was tapping into was my community at work. Oh, I never could have done any of it without my community at work. And then my family community. Then I was also tapping into just anything that just made me feel good. <laughs> right. Because you were feeling, you were feeling so untethered and, and not good. Well, that, that's the control issue. So I, I had lost the one thing I like to do the most is to have answers and control. And so I tapped into leaning into and on others for help, which I don't normally do. And I tapped into just, no, you know what? I know I should probably get that done, but I'm just going to take two hours and sit here. Hmm. Just going to sit here. And that's not me because I don't normally just. You're (laughs) a doer. Yeah. (laughs) So when I look at it, it is the things that are lowest where you normally go for your securities that have to be the things you tap into later. Okay, People, say that again. Say that again. So no, I hope I remember how I okay, said it. So it's usually the things that are your lowest, the lowest things that you look for in for security. So okay, so for you that you then tap into when your security is taken. Okay, so community wasn't as important, but it was essential in this moment. That's right. Okay, absolutely. So for me, and and don't get me wrong, because I love people, but I have always been very intentional with people. I mean, I have a million friends. That's not it. It's, I never had to like say, can you guys, can you just come and do this for me? Can you, that was not something I would normally do. I would be the one going the other way. So So to ask for help. The person who asked you perceived there was a crisis for someone else. You'd be there. You'd send the text, you'd send the card, you'd send the email, you'd do, you'd be up there in person knocking on their door at 10 o'clock at night. But yes. it was, it was not important in before right. for you to ever ask for help. That's right. Because you were so capable. Yes. And not I... only were you capable, but you really held that capability together because you value control. Oh, absolutely. It's not and... that you're controlling, yeah. but no, it's that's right. a value that you have. A logical, you come to things with a very logical perspective that is controlled, it's measured, it's thought out, and you're going bop, 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 like that. And so then in this situation, the underlying thing for you is, uh, okay, <laughs> that's all gone. I know. I know. And now I need, I need to do this other thing. That's right. Wow. And if we stay on this, though. I did have people, so I did lean in and on a lot of people. But I also then had had people who said to me, have, have, um, have your friends been coming by with meals or something like this? And I said, no, no. And this was where somebody would say to me, oh, how terrible. How on earth? What kind of people? What kind of friends? And I would say, no, no, no. See, I get a lot of enjoyment out of just having that time in the kitchen to make my meals. It gives me great joy to make a meal for 
the person who is lying in that bed. It gives me great joy. So isn't it funny that even in that, I wanted control (laughs) to be able to say, I made this for you. It, It was my way of, I can't do much of anything for you other than just this care. So making your food is care. This is how I am, right? I didn't want anybody else to do it. I was very capable. And yet from the outside looking in, other people would be judging the support I was getting. And I was always saying, oh, no, 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 no. You see, no. And, I'm getting and where you have always put that for me and always brought me back to center in my life is you've always said, oh, but that's, you know, that's your strength. Yes. And the other person's judgment is totally different. So they're yeah. looking at it and going, and you're saying, oh, that's not it. That's not what's important right. to me. And they're going, right. but it's so important to me. That's like, right. That's when right. I'm, yeah. If I'm in that crisis, if I've had a baby, if someone has, has, has died, I want people bringing me dinners. That's right. Because it's the last thing I want to think about. It makes me feel cared for. Whereas you're saying, no. And so this is why uh, we're exploring the ways that people look at brokenness and shutting down and being open still and not, when people say, I just shut down, you're saying, no, you haven't. You're just focusing on the, you're not focusing on the thing that you've always focused on. <laughs> that's exactly it. You just okay. said it. Okay. Okay. Because that's it. I've just shut down. What that means is everything that used to work for me, I can't, I can't do this anymore because it's not working. I can't, I can't leave myself open to feelings anymore because they're too overwhelming. I can't, right. I'm not going to follow the rules anymore. This is complete and utter crap. <laughs> and I'm not going to do this anymore because it doesn't work for me. And what they're telling you is this is how I believed it would work. This is, these are my top, top ways of understanding the world and filtering the information around me. And when I shut down, all I'm saying is it just isn't working for me anymore. Now you'll stay in a position of being shut down. You'll stay in that position until you recognize, and eventually people get there. They just don't put names on it until you recognize and you open yourself up to that one person who always used to say to you, they always used to say, Um, You just need to do this and you just need to do that. And you'd always be like, whatever. And then all of a sudden you give it a try because you're at your wits end. You're at the end of your rope, right? You don't need to care that they don't like you. No. (sighs) Well, I do care, but let me think about that. Hmm. And then you move on to why don't, why do I need to not care? Because you are in and of yourself, right? Valuable. You need to understand and learn how to talk and self-talk value. Like somebody who's very, very high on empowerment, someone who's very, very um, high on the knowledge and reasoning. I just saw something today. It was a wonderful book. I saw it on Facebook. And it's a journal for young people, for teenagers. And it's called How to, how to Teach Your Teen to Positive Self-Talk. Oh, I'm writing this down. We'll put it on there. On there. It's beautiful. And you know how I always said, I said before one time to you, the worst thing to say to someone is don't feel that way. (laughs) If someone says I'm feeling scared, say don't feel that way. But in reality, if you are scared and all the tools at your disposal aren't working anymore, then you need to help them understand that there's still a couple more tools, but it, it, it requires a little bit of a different way of thinking. So let's follow that through. So someone is saying, 
that. And then what are the tools? What are the tools that you would use there? Well, the tools, first and foremost, the tools are understanding. So take a, take a, um, well, let's take a a position of like bullying. We've wanted to talk about bullying for a while. Yeah. Well, it takes an understanding because people are bullied all the time in life, but when it devastates you and it breaks you, it's a moment for you to go, okay, I am broken because I followed all the rules and this didn't work. Or I expected to be accepted by everybody. I, and I expected community. I, I, aren't we all in the same boat? Aren't we all like, what makes me any different than you? This type of... Or a young child might say, my, my mom and dad say I'm amazing. Very good. Yep. I feel... I've never felt not amazing. I've right. always... My sisters and my brothers and my family and the, yep. my people that love me. They always tell me I'm amazing. And yep. then how come they're not? That's right. So it's that moment. Remember, we always talk about this. It's that moment of awareness. It's that moment of going, what did I expect? Hmm. So you'll have, one, you'll have one person who responds to the bullying and they're broken. And you now have another person who's able to walk away and go, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Because they are dealing, they, they are not so emotionally invested, feelings invested. I mean, they're going to have their own problems later on. Trust me, they'll be broken in a way that other people, the ones who yeah. are bullied, won't ever be broken. Because the ones who are bullied are very much in tune with their feelings a lot of times, right? So they won't have trouble on, on other areas where people who aren't so feeling-driven but are logic-driven, then life is going to hit them with a blow. And uh, you can talk about that at work. So you might have got through school with going whatever, whatever, whatever. And now you get into a work environment where your bully, uh, the boss is your bully or is a bully. And now you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This review has gone totally sideways. Uh, absolutely not. Should I have been um, passed over the, for that promotion or however it is? So it, it's that moment. The tools, Lori, are really this. The tools are the self-awareness in the moment, the mindfulness in the moment, the ability to say, okay, someone else has gone through this as well. Why is this bothering me? Yeah. And for most kids, if we started there, we would be able, and kids and anybody, we'd be able to help them with the first thing. Well, you want the acceptance of your peers. That's a high social need and a high social want. However, you can get acceptance through either selfless actions, which has ha- what happens in most groups. They're just so willing to do anything for the approval. Or you can get that approval through intentional behavior. There's two ways to get that social connection. And that intentional behavior is, no, see, I am a good person. I will always be here for you. But if you need to change the rules every day, then I, c- I can't be. I can't be part of that. Because hmm. I need to know that the person I see today is the person I'm going to see tomorrow. Because that's the person I see today is, is, is my friend. That's someone I like. That's someone I want to invest in. That's someone I want to build my, you know, friendships with. But if that's not the person I'm going to meet tomorrow, then I've got to move on. I've got to, and it's. How do we transfer that to uh, something that I'm, that I'm dealing with? So I have a friend who, I've known for a very, very long time and she 
is struggling with mental wellness. It's up, it's down, you never know. There's many measures and layers of uncertainty that happen every single day, anytime you talk. How do you, and you feel this weight of brokenness and heaviness about what you had, what you don't have, what you could have, what you might not have. And you go through this tug of war. And part of you just goes, oh, I want to write you off. I don't want to deal with you. But then the longevity of your relationship says, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And there's this needing to be broken and open, which I really looked at and said, I can see the brokenness of the relationship, the damage that has been created, the things that have been said and that have been hurtful, but there's no recollection on her part. So I go, that's broken. That hurts. It fractures. But I got to be open because I don't live in the world where I just walk away. But I also don't want to shut down, but I feel like I need to pull back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we're, and this is the dance that has on some levels really tormented me. Go ahead. So, so, <laughs> you think you've you think you've caught me? I think I've no. caught you. No. So what we have to do is this. So okay, help me. It's that. Uh, yeah. So let's turn the spotlight. Okay. Okay. Go I, on. I expect my friendship to bring me certainty. Certainty. Okay. All right. Uh, I expect my friendship to make me feel safe. Okay. I expect um, my friend to take my advice and listen, but okay. not execute it. I, I, I don't care whether if they take my advice and not, I don't offer it and expect someone to do something with it. I just, if they ask, I give. And what they do is their choice. When I walk away from a phone call, I want to feel joy. Okay. And you know what what I feel often? I feel heavy. I feel like I have to sit and wash the conversation away. Hmm. So the way you put the tools into practice is you make it about you. And I I have said this from the beginning and it's it's the hardest thing, but once people begin to make it about them, then they can change them. The only thing you can change is yourself. I agree. So when it comes to the individual that is, is, you talk, you're talking to this individual, you want to feel security. So that can either be that, um, the structured, the high structured side where it's friendships. Hey, listen, we've been friends forever. We're going to be friends forever. So I'm just going to put up with this phase of the relationship. Or that can be your high social, which is saying, no, you know what? Life is about caring. Life is about being part of people's lives. It's about getting in, in the muck with them and being with them. And so that leads you to that sense of, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here because there is a sense of security. You want to feel safe though after it. So it tells me that you're feeling that after a conversation with her, if you don't feel safe after a conversation with your friend, then you feel that you've been, you've been attacked. Somehow you've been, uh, foibles of your own life have been pointed out or 
the um, the silliness of your own beliefs has been pointed out. Something like that, where the individual is now making you feel something. So remember, we're talking about what's making you react. That would be your that high um, aesthetic, wanting to feel good, wanting to have peace with someone after a conversation. Nobody wants to have a fight. Well, some people do, but nobody really wants to have that. You want to feel good. Um, and then what do you expect to happen after a conversation? Why do you even pick up the phone? Why do you even engage in the conversation? Is because you actually believe you have some advice to give. You have some life experience. You have knowledge to impart. And that's that first one, right? Once you know something, then you can do something with it. So at the end of the day, you actually don't care too much to follow up to see if anything's been done. Because that's okay. That's your life. But I certainly have a lot to offer. And I'm going to offer you this knowledge and you do with it what you want because it's worked for me. (laughs) And so it might work for you. But then finally, you want to feel joy. So I hear the high, high aesthetic coming out, which is, look, (laughs) I'll go through the valley with you, but I'm not going to stay in the valley with you. I know that life has the ups and downs and I will be there with you, but I need to come out and I need to get to the other side because I can't let my feelings dictate the rest of my day. It's not going to, that's not going to happen. The, the, the joy, I'm going to find the joy somewhere. And that's the high aesthetic. And, uh, and that's the high, actually what I hear a lot of is the high theoretical. That's the, that's the, look, there's a lot that I can share with you. I can share a story. I can share a life experience. I can share a scripture verse. I can share a lot of things with you and I'm happy to do that. So, mm-hmm. Now, how do you use those tools? Well, first things first, you got to recognize that about yourself. So once you realize, all right, I'm going to get on this phone and I'm going to be triggered by three things. Three things are going to trigger me. So am I going to prepare for those? Am I going to, you know, avoid this person? Or, (laughs) right, am I going to help them understand how I don't see it that way, but how the way they're seeing it is actually quite valid. And then you're now working with the, with the two sides of all these motivators we're talking about, right? Wow. And here's the thing. Uh, that's just like. Well, it's, it's self-awareness, Lori. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's, it, it is. It's unless you know yourself and what it is you are trying to do, how you're reacting, why, it's very hard to, to help someone else recognize It, it, it is, themselves. and to thy own self be true. Oh, it's easy to be true to ourselves. Right. It's hard sometimes to look in the mirror. Oh, it is very hard to look in the yep. mirror. And for me, I love this person. I love yes. them. And, yes. and I... I believe that how I treat others is how I will be treated in my life. And so my, my feeling and my orientation and my intention is I, I want to treat you with respect. I want to, to do that because you deserve it because you deserve it because you're a human. That's right. That's the deal. The, the tough part is, you know, I cannot control what is said. No. I can't control what's perceived. Mm-hmm. And so, but what I can control is, like you said, walking out of the valley 
and and saying, I give you permission to stay wherever you're that's, staying. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, and I'm here with you. See, in this conversation, yeah. I am, and you know, you don't want to be speaking down to someone, but no. you want to say, listen, I do. Let's let's sit in this together for 20 minutes. But after 20 minutes, I'm coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Because for me personally, I I cannot, I will not, I do not need to stay here. Yeah. And it's that balance though. And it's it's and then they take issue with that, right? Because you're leaving them, you're abandoning them. And um well that is the that is what she's saying. And I'm saying, no, I love you. I'm here for you. That's right. I'm no, here. listen, you're not ready to come out with me today. That's okay. We'll have to try this I'm going to call you next week. <laughs> I'm going to call again. you next week. I am not abandoning you, but I can't stay here. Right. And so when someone uh, is dealing with an individual who maybe has borderline personality disorder, or yeah. who is depressed or has, you know, um, bipolar and they're mm-hmm. perceiving or just pain. What I'm hearing is it doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum. It doesn't matter what the circumstance or how the experience is unfolded from loss to all, all kinds of things in between. What matters is that you, you are aware that yeah. if, you can answer some of these questions like I did and say, okay, and really rock bottom honest. Like, I mean, you have to be, you have to be. I, I, when I said, you don't have to apologize for it. When I said safe to you, I was like, oh, dang. That's that's (laughs) totally fine. It is. It's how I feel. It's how I feel. Mm -hmm. And if you are not being honest with yourself, you're only fooling yourself. There's no, so yeah. There's no judgment here. There's no, there's only awareness. And the awareness is, uh, and I even said it, I think, don't, don't get me wrong. Because we all feel like we're being judged when we say, right. when we're honest about certain things. Right. But when people would say that to me, Lori, they would say, um, are you kidding me? They're not doing this, that, and the other. I would say immediately, oh, no, they're wonderful. Oh, they're wonderful. They're reaching out. They're actually asking me what I need. And they're giving me the opportunity to tell them what I need. No, they're doing wonderful. Hmm. So never playing into a game hmm. because I'm aware of what I, I'm aware of what I, what I want and what I need and why it was important to me. Would you say that if, if one of our listeners chooses to do this, one foundational principle would be to say, what is this crisis or loss or experience here to teach me? Because when I look at my friend, whom I love very, very much, I have often said to my partner, I've said, you know what, Dave? She's here to teach me. She's here. It's not her. I'm being triggered because, you know, I, why do I need safety? Why mm-hmm. do I need certainty? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. What is mm-hmm. it in me? Can Mm I, am I, what am I willing to do? And so asking that question of ourselves puts the onus on us. It -hmm. doesn't put the onus on the other person, but it really helps us to get to the heart of the matter and Mm -hmm. find out what really is motivating us in that time. 
Yes, absolutely. And that question, what am I supposed to learn from this, is only one of the questions that could be asked, right? Right, because there's the other one. The other one could be, what, um, what am I supposed to do after this? Another one is, what am I supposed to feel through this? The other one is, um, how am I supposed to, how, what kind of community am I supposed to be part of? What, 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 how am I supposed to connect with people? What is this teaching me about connecting with people? Can I ask you, uh, when you said, what am I supposed to feel? Mm-hmm. This is a big one. Be- What's huge? Because as from your experience, dealing with loss and expectation and all of those things, I mean, on any given minute, would you say you're feeling 10 different emotions that are all like a, in a fire hose overwhelming you? Like, I can't. So when you say, what am I supposed to feel to that person who has experienced loss in a way that is life changing to them? Divorce, um, loss of friend group, loss of relationships, loss of job, finances, marriage, baby, children, spouses, loss of faith. Yes. Or loss of the belief in your own self because maybe you've done something. One of your actions has brought in a right. measure of that some people are going, we don't even know who you are right now. Yeah. So when you say, what am I supposed to feel? Could you just tap into that? Because that is the first thing that people, when you feel something, you feel a lot of it in, in a trauma of broken open or shutting down. And that's, I think, where people get really murky in, in the middle there. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to what should I, what should I feel? Um, if we talk about the ends of the spectrum here, you would have on the one end, the stoic and the stoic would simply be keep calm and carry on the, the understanding that yes, I'm feeling something. So nobody ever feels nothing. You're feeling it, but what are you going to allow your feelings to do? What are you going to allow those feelings to bring out in you or create or how are you going to allow those feelings to dictate how you talk Mm. the behaviors and this so this is how i i look at these these feelings and you can understand laurie i'm very on the stoic side just i just naturally am (laughs) and that's right it's just where i it's where i fall yeah so for some people they don't see the emotions i'm feeling but they're there and they come out but it's how you allow the feelings then to to drive the behavior or your words or certain things like that. But on the other end is the harmonious. And that is, so on the two sides, you have the stoic and you have the harmonious where on the harmonious side, you absolutely are in tune with every single feeling that's going on and you are up and down and around and all over. But yet at night you can go to sleep with a a piece that the stoic never can because the body has to release the feelings. There has to be a release because these feelings cannot just stay inside. So a lot of times, and this has been my experience, a lot of anxiety, a lot of the panic attacks and things that happen are because people have not released the feelings. They are not in tune and then letting them release. I'm speaking from my own personal um, experience as well trying to be too stoic and not allowing the feelings to manifest 
because you perceive that as weakness or you perceive that in some way. And then on the other side, as your friend, I might suggest allowing the feelings to be the driver of whether the day is actually how the day is going to behave and happen so that you never know from moment to moment what you're going to get when you see the person. So you've got the two extremes. So if I were to talk about feelings, which I think is a very, it's a really good topic. You just, feelings are always going to be there. Don't ever think that nobody, that anybody isn't feeling deeply. They always are. And you have no idea what's going on, even from the outward behavior. Some people are just really good at holding it inside. Other people, you see it on their sleeves and you see what's happening. And yet, I don't want to say dare I say it, but yet reasonably life isn't actually that bad. And, and I, I need to be careful on how I say that. When feelings drive everything, my goodness, the fact that um, your neighbor's cat walked over and did a little business in your lawn or your neighbor's dog, I mean, that could set you off for the day and the rest of us are like, that's not actually, like that's a first world, you've heard this, a first world problem. You know, you know what I mean? So that's why I'm trying to say there are the two extremes where the one brings such instability that we do have uh, a word for that now. And that is, we would talk about um, mental health issues. We would talk about some of these things that if the feelings weren't so much the drivers, there may be a point for the behaviors to kind of, to kind of catch up at times. I did wonder where are my feelings, Mm -hmm. but I know exactly where they are. And I have learned and I have been experiencing them again Hmm. and they are deep and they are real and they knock me down sometimes and I don't allow a lot of people to see it just because that's just who I am and I'm so would you say that in this experience of the last year and a half that you have moved towards an understanding of letting the emotion flow. Oh, totally. And you know, when the emotion flows for me, I absolutely am gutted. I want to curl up in a ball. I don't want to go anywhere when I think of what, when I think of what Jen lost. Oh. And I think of that brilliant engineer who wasn't even able to like that's when I, and I'm not going to go any further. That's when it hits me. So my dad, it's not so emotional for me because my dad uh, had a very clear vision of his life and his, uh, and he lived his life and he, he, he had a very clear vision of heaven and where he was going to go. And he always said, when my work is done, I will be relocating. But the, the emotions hit me the hardest when I realized what was taken away from her. Because she was 40... 45. 45. Yeah. And okay. to see the strength taken, to see the uh, mental abilities taken, to see the ability to speak and to write and to think when that is when I curl up in a ball. That is when I wake up in tears and sweats. And that is what makes me so emotional. And I'm not angry at anybody. I'm just, disease does that. So 
that is when, when the emotions come over me. I don't sit around and boohoo myself. I mean, I'm not happy about a lot of the things that are now having to change in my life, but that's when the emotions will take over for me. And you can understand why now, because I couldn't control it. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't. And, and still, all, still can't reason. and all of your best efforts, you sat with your best friend, you walked well, her through. Even from the beginning, Lori, I had to help her die. And I said that right from the very beginning, I have to, this is a terminal. There's no, they're giving us no hope. They're giving us no. And I just simply have to help her walk through all these and grieve them with her as we go along. Grieve the loss of the, the stroke. Grieve the loss of the ability to write her name. Grieve the, and we did at every stage, we would grieve it together and then we would move on because that's how we, how we did things. So yeah, look at you getting me going now. Well, yeah, you know, that, that the reason why, you know, I always, I do get the opportunity every now and then to say why I do what I do, but it is why I do what I do because, you know, that's the power of the story. It is. This is this, someone listening, our listeners are, you know, whether they're in Guatemala or Japan or wherever they are in the world, their their lives have been touched by something like this. Yes. And why the story matters is that you are not just this woman who I know. Um, we collaborate together and you are really a spiritual advisor and mentor and bring in, when we bring in something on the show, you come in, you answer that. But that is like this distance approach and mm -hmm. why this works and why this matters and is so profound and impacting is that you are living real time and yes. you're willing to lean in, to step in and to not go anywhere. And I'm, I'm look, and I've said to you, I can't be with you in your Valley, but I tell mm -hmm. you right now I'm there. Mm -hmm. Right. And together, mm -hmm. this story can be shared. And it's the the tone and the energy and the, the feeling and the emotion and the life experience behind your words is raw, vulnerable and real. And people can relate mm -hmm. that we thank you. If you <laughs> if you don't know that you matter and that your words matter, please know today that your story is so important and it's valuable and that it is life-changing. And so I'm not, I, I don't know what to say, but I do know that I've walked this through uh, from a witness perspective with you. Yeah. And I know that you have said to me, Lori, I'm not going to disconnect. I can't, but I will do this. I will do that. And you know yourself mm -hmm. and you've had to be awake in a very rude and hard way. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you've embraced the shut off. <laughs> you've embraced the broken. Mm -hmm. You've embraced the openness. And through it all, we've talked on the phone and you've said, well, this person is in, you know, at the end of this, they're fighting with me about this because, you know, they're not able to process what's happening right now. And so then they're acting out and now I have to do this and, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I think sometimes that happens in our life. And again, it's not what you do. 
uh, you know, I don't know what the saying is. I can't remember it, but it is what you do in this moment that matters in that, in the moment where crisis has come and you're gutted. Uh, that is really cool. And it's not cool in the way that, you know, um, you're lost. It's cool that you are able and willing and you are just offering how your level of awake to other, to the world. Um, can you talk to me about what happens when you do feel disconnected from who you are, when loss hits you so hard that it, 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 it takes the connection away? Can you give people permission to allow themselves to be disconnected for a period of time? Certainly disconnected from... Because even just, um, we can see each other. I don't know if everybody knows that, but even just that visual, which you just gave me, you think of a time where I, I would I would say that disconnection is that feeling of being having the wind knocked out of you. Uh-huh. And <laughs> most of us are just, there's a panic that sets in a little bit. And then you realize, you know, it's coming back, but you still lay there and probably think to yourself, well, well how did I get, right? How did I get here? What on earth just happened? Trying to process but you certainly know that you have been, you've been knocked down. What you thought was going to work didn't work. And that really is, if there's, if there's something we can talk about, about the permission to, to give people permission to be disconnected for a little bit, to shut down for a little bit. That's actually a pretty powerful thing. I'm just kind of connecting with that right now, that there's a lot of permission that I can give people to shut down to not be who you were for a little bit to because it comes from an understanding that I all this worked while this was my reality these things were working for me and things work for you because you get the results you're looking for you get the feelings you're looking for everything makes sense the rules are applying right you're in control all of these great things and people around you love you. And those are the six, those are basically the six filters I just put through and just said to you. And then all of a sudden people don't love you anymore. And all of a sudden people are, or things don't make sense or you're being overlooked for promotions or some of the the rules don't apply. So everybody is going to have these moments of having to disconnect and somehow just simply sit back and kind of, kind of take a spectator view for maybe a little bit and say, Okay, what has what has changed? What what's different? Um, what has been broken? Yeah, what has been broken? What is uh, what was my expectation? And it is in those moments that you do have to you actually have to have that moment of realization that um, what I controlled, I no longer control. So. What's, where am I going to go next? Because I still want to control. So what is it I can control? It's, it's, it's such a great interplay. What I thought made sense doesn't make sense, but what does make sense in this moment? What I wanted to feel, I don't feel, but I am feeling something. So what is that? Um, the people I thought would be there or the people I thought would do something for me or I wanted to do for them are shutting down to me now or are not there. So what is it I'm looking for for people? What is it I need from people? What these types of questions, how can I, how can I figure out the community that I'm living in and, and, and everything? And a lot of that happens with divorce. My goodness. And when all you, those 
securities of a community and then there's a divorce, right? And when you said earlier, like sometimes you curl up in a ball and because there are people out there that have done this and are in this place. Yeah. What, what is it that I can, what fill in that blank? When you are curled up in a ball and and you are, you said, I'm, I'm thinking about this person and I just lost my child. I've just lost whatever, you know, whoever, Mm -hmm. or, 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 and I am thinking about what could have been Mm -hmm. that will not be. Mm -hmm. Tell me, what is it? What is it? What's the answer? Oh, look at you just looking for probably the biggest. (laughs) I'm looking for the jewel here, Jen. (laughs) What What I would say to that is this, when you are curled up in a ball and you're laying there, and you're either feeling or you're, you are going through excruciating thoughts in your mind, feelings in your heart, different things that are happening, recognizing that you are at the end of your rope, but there is not just one rope that any of us hang on to. There's not just one rope that any of us use at any time. When you are at the end of a rope, you know it. You know when you have hit that, there's nothing more that you can do at this moment in your in your emotions, but there is something else that may and will come alongside. It's not always easy to see. It's actually incredibly difficult to see because the only thing that takes you to the end of your rope is what you are so accustomed to doing and you're, and you're best at doing and is natural for you. So coming to the end of that natural way of processing information is very, very difficult for anybody. And but taking hope and taking courage and taking um, taking strength in knowing that nobody ever processes life through one lens only. And the lens you're choosing, there will be pain in some of the, the ways that you are processing, but there is always a second rope you can hang on to and you can, and, and you, and it can, it can pull you out, but I would never discount uh, somebody curling up in a ball and spending time there. But to stay there is to die, is to give up, is to, but it does take a realization that I put all my chips, I put all my chips on that. Right there. And it didn't hit. It didn't hit. And, but there are more chips. (laughs) I don't know if that's the right analogy. (laughs) Well, look, and I, what's interesting to me is that when you say things like, I don't know if this is, if, if I can say this, well, you can, because <laughs> it's me that can't say it, because that's not been my path. You've experienced extreme loss. You're speaking from your own place. So when you say there are other chips, I believe you. Well, there I, are. I okay, absolutely then. Look believe at you. you. Look at you helping me. And you always do. We always joke that at the end of these things, we're both learning. Yeah. And, and I think that's, so there's my very, very high, you know, it's got to be in a book or it's not true type way of thinking about things. And it's like, no, no, I've actually lived through this. I have been in the corner. I have been there. And I have been able to every time pull myself out because I have been able to say, yes, what happened? I am so that, that what was taken away is awful. And then I'm able to go, but what was given for 23 years and 45 to her family 
uh, was a blessing. What a blessing to have been given that. Uh, but that it doesn't come. It, that doesn't come easy. I'll tell you that. It, uh, it's taken me a while to get to that. Well, and you probably, I would say that for people who are in this place, that they have people around them, and if they don't, then then I, another strategy will unfold. But if you are on the floor or in your bed, mm-hmm. um, there will be someone. Or they will be a, a word or a dream or a, a social media video or something that'll come to you and they'll That's say, right. it's okay now, rise, mm-hmm. come on up, yeah. let's, let's come out here, we're yeah. okay. There's a point where you, when you've been struck by trauma, that you must move back to homeostasis. You mu- your body desires, when it's that blood oh, force yes. trauma... You know, you go through, I remember when I broke my leg in two places and, you know, MCL, ACL and all that. And Mm -hmm. I remember the pain. I still have trauma around the pain. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember the pain and I couldn't breathe and it was overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And then shock set in. Mm -hmm. And and I remember sitting there and, and Dave's just staring at me. And I remember thinking, I have to let this happen. Because it's the only way my body can regroup. Mm-hmm. My body's just like, whoa, <laughs> what? you ding dong, what were you doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh, I was young. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? But that's that with, with everything. And it happens with emotion too, where you're struck by that fear or that anger or that pain or the sorrow and grief. Mm-hmm. And you just need to. Yeah, you have to be there. You got to be there. You do have to be there. And, uh, but that, what you just said is the body, there's a, there's a book that I've started to read, which is called the body remembers. And it's about the fact that post-traumatic is that the body sets in motion so that you can survive, but then the body remembers and there's healing that has to take place afterwards. So it is when you are in that position, you are. Welcome to the human experience. And you are where we will all be at some point in our lives. And the beauty of it is that um, there are options for you to get up. There are other other things that are there. And you're, you're right, Laura, you might not know it, but you know, might not know where it's coming from. And it could come from the, the wildest place. Just so simple. So some little compliment. And all of a sudden you're like, hey. Look, I feel look at again. the sky. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I can feel There's again. the sun. Right. Yeah. Because maybe somebody didn't treat you like with kid gloves, right? Maybe somebody mm-hmm. just looked at you and said, awesome. That's right. Right. And, awesome. and, and they took the crisis and they moved it away. Yeah. Um, and they just saw you for, for, for who you are, you know, um, in my experience, this thus far, um, you know, I haven't had the struggles that you've had. I have had loss in my life and, and in different ways. And in hindsight, and sometimes after years of reflecting, you know, I sometimes it's like 10 years ago that I remember really painful, painful part of my life that was so gutting. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's blessing, there's insight, there's wisdom, there's hope. Mm-hmm. And I look back and I go, I'm alive. <laughs> I made mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And there's a recovery. And so mm-hmm. we can go to the mountaintop. The mountaintop is awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we get there, we climb it and it's awesome. But then you realize that like the oxygen is a little, uh, it, it, yeah. it's, it's not what yeah. you need. It's great to get there. Mm-hmm. But the valley for me, that has been where the blessing has been. The valley, mm-hmm. because for me, that's, I always think about, you know, where I live in BC and, and the Okanagan and, and sort of going into the interior and these, these valleys and they're lush and there's streams of water and it's mm-hmm. beautiful mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. it gives you a respite. And I think that for me, um, we aren't to dis- disparage the mountaintop, nor are we to do that with the valley. That when life brings it to us, there will be the mountains, there will be the valley, and it's how we respond in between and what we do when we're there. And I just want to thank you for being so raw. Um, <laughs> you know, we've been together on this journey for a few years now, and, and it's, it's always been this way for us. Mm-hmm. And I know that that translates to the people that are listening today. And, uh, you know, there's more than one way to be broken, as you said in, in a, a past episode. There's more than one way. Mm-hmm. And there's more than one way to respond to when you're That's in right. that place. Mm-hmm. And, and thank you for giving us permission that there's more than one way and that not everyone does it the same and that we are made all different with mm-hmm. different motivators, with different life experience that motivate us. That is what you've offered us today. And from your life experience, you've offered and given permission to just be. And I think that is the most beautiful way you can honor your own personal journey. I am, uh, I'm trying to do that. You're helping me too. Thank you. I'm pushing you a little. That's good. It's very good. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Lori. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.